It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to this Wednesday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry, broadcasting to you live as I do for the duration of the coronavirus pandemic from my guest bedroom, a little annex of KSL News Radio, the Lonsberry Guest Bedroom. Uh, pleasure to be with you today. On the program today, we're going to be talking about a number of issues, and we'll be hearing from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for the first time making a joint appearance from DuPont High School in Wilmington, Delaware, Joe Biden's hometown. A lot of history in the Biden family there. We'll go through some of that. Uh, we're also going to break down later on the program a photograph, a photograph which was taken, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's uh, making the rounds on social media and in print everywhere. Uh, Adam Schultz is uh, the name of a man who is the campaign photographer for the Biden for President campaign. And yesterday, as he was, Joe Biden that is, making the phone call to inform his now vice presidential uh, running mate, the photograph was taken of the video conference, the video chat, uh, which took place between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And it shows, uh, it shows Joe Biden sitting at his desk in Delaware at his home, looking down at a, uh, a MacBook Air computer, very slick. Uh, also, the, the former vice president, Joe Biden, has in his hands uh, an iPhone, uh, which it appears uh, is looping in someone via speakerphone. There are some notes there to guide uh, the former vice president through the conversation. And what caught my eye was a cartoon which was positioned immediately behind uh, the computer. So when, when the computer's gone, the laptop's folded up and set aside. Uh, as Joe Biden sits there at his desk, the thing his eyes meet uh, is a cartoon, a two-panel cartoon uh, depicting a scene from uh, Hagar the Horrible. Now, it, it took me a little while to, to identify exactly which cartoon it was, and uh, my thanks to some sleuths on the Internet, I was able to do so. And then I got curious, why is it there? Why, why is uh, that cartoon there on full display for Joe Biden to see each time he sits down at his desk? I was just curious at first, and I went digging, and as you know, I tumbled down a rabbit hole. And what I discovered is that that cartoon, that that two-panel cartoon, uh, has sat on the desk of Joe Biden, framed as it is today, uh, for decades. For decades. An hour from now, I'm going to break down exactly uh, what is in the cartoon, uh, how it got there, and why it means uh, so much to Joe Biden. And after that conversation, that's when we'll be tuning in live uh, to the first joint appearance uh, by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris now as running mates. But uh, before we get to that, I want to spend some time talking about the impact uh, the, the coronavirus is having on the classroom. We're going to do so from two relatively unique perspectives. You've heard from the governor quite often, but what you haven't yet heard uh, him say is uh, regarding the quality of education available to Utah students. I was so grateful to uh, the Dave and Dejanovic program earlier this morning. Uh, Dave, alongside Ben Horsley, who's filling in for Debbie uh, this week. Ben Horsley, of course, of the Granite School District. They were able to speak with Governor Herbert uh, at great length, asking a number 
of very important questions regarding education here in the state of Utah. Uh, and the, the first topic of conversation has to do with something the governor characterized as a false narrative. And I was so happy to hear him uh, describe this. Uh, so uh, here, without further ado, uh, a portion of the conversation between uh, Dave and Ben and Governor Herbert, the governor saying that it's important to remember that we can't fall into the false narrative that staying home is safer than going to school. There's risk at school in a variety of ways. Uh, we have incidents that occur in schools which uh, cause harm to people. Uh, some of it's physical, some of it's mental. Uh, we've had flu seasons, you know, where people get the flu and have to, to stay home and the, the common flu we've had in the past. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of risk out there in life if we don't have school. Our teenagers are going to go out there and, and get together in the neighborhoods. Uh, and, and they can spread the virus that way. So there's no such thing as no risk. It's a matter of minimizing the risk. By the way, there is a significant downside to not having school, not getting an education, uh, the future ramifications of that to their ability to be a productive member of society, to get a job, uh, are, in fact, acute. So, uh, again, act like, well, if we have risk, we go to school. We don't have risk if we stay home is a false choice. I know that there has been much criticism for decision-making to include any consideration other than, say, coronavirus case count. But the governor here has very clearly spelled out a point with which I agree so strongly, that there are more than one consideration to make, that there uh, are, we, we have a duty uh, to these young people and to our own future to make sure that they are sufficiently armed with the education uh, that they would uh, that they should be receiving at this stage of life. The consequences could be much more dire uh, than if we were to to keep them at home. Uh, this is a, a drum that is beaten all the time, uh, in particular on this program because I feel so strongly about it. Uh, and so, uh, as the governor continued during, again, his conversation this morning uh, with Dave and Ben Horsley uh, of the Granite School District. The governor emphasized, uh, as I was saying a moment ago, that there are many important uh, considerations, including the health of our children. But we're trying to find that right balance point. I've talked about balance since the beginning. It's not just health only. It's about economic opportunity. In this case, it's about education. You may hear that and think to yourself, oh, how callous the governor is, how callous he is. He just wants to keep business open. He just wants to keep tax revenues flowing uh, up to his coffers. No. No. That's not the case at all. There is great value uh, lost if we uh, unnecessarily sacrifice the strength of our economy and jobs. And that sacrifice can come about from poor decisions made when it comes to returning to school. All right, now how about flexibility? The governor touched on that. He said that these plans, that any plans uh, that are made available or that are presented to parents need to be flexible enough for each family's individual situation. We're giving parents choices. They can have their kids go to school and having class uh, uh, learning, uh, online learning. They can be a hybrid. Uh, some will opt to teach at home and do homeschooling. And the same thing ought to be given to our teachers. Uh, they ought to have choices that they can make, too, if they don't feel uh, comfortable going to, to teach. Maybe they'll be the online teacher. Maybe there's other options for them to do. All right. Now we know that. Another point that the governor emphasized is that 
these local leaders need to be the ones directing what is best for the schools in their area. We have 41 school districts. We'll probably have 41 different programs and plans uh, developed by the local health departments and the, and the local school boards. They're the ones elected by the people. They know their needs and the, of their constituents better than anybody else. Uh, we put together standards in place from the state health department that should be followed by all the districts. Uh, that's the, the mandate for mask wearing, for example. But some of the details and the nuances, that's got to be handled on a local level. If you don't like what they're doing, then talk to your school board and see if you can make some modifications. I'm grateful to the governor for speaking in, these frank, in, in this frank fashion. In the press conferences, we get that there's very good information delivered. There are very good attitudinal uh, uh, communications made by the governor talking uh, in general terms about how we need to do what's best. We need to be wise, uh, also laying down challenges, uh, which we'll talk about later on uh, today if we have time. Uh, you, you remember the last press conference hosted by the governor? He laid down a challenge, an additional challenge on top of the one uh, which we met right, of getting below 500 uh, positive cases in terms of our seven-day rolling average by August 1st. <clears throat> the subsequent challenge he laid down was to get that number under 400 by September 1st. Well, we've done it. We've pulled it off. Now, yes, I know that there are uh, fewer tests being administered, but the challenge specifically has been met. Now, uh, it is our duty to, to keep that up. Once September 1st hits, uh, we need to be uh, still under that number. I'm grateful to the governor. Uh, he did a fine job communicating very frank terms, uh, and I agree with him, both in terms of the importance of getting students back into school, the importance of local control, and the importance of flexibility for parents, okay? In the home, priorities are different. Uh, from home to home to home, uh, your attitude and your sensitivity uh, may be different. Also, your specific health needs. And so those needs must all be met. Uh, we will get our first test of how things go come Monday when Murray schools uh, return to the classroom. Uh, we'll be speaking with representatives from the schools uh, as well as parents on Monday about how things go on day one. Right now, time for a break. When we return, uh, stay tuned because uh, we're not hearing from teachers next. We're not hearing from the governor. We're not hearing from parents. We're hearing from students, students who are bound for the classroom soon. Students on my program next, Live Mike here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You're listening to Live Mike. A question came in via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That number, if you'd like to reach out, is 575-00. The question to come through on the commercial break was, will you be airing the Biden-Harris conference? The answer is yes. Uh, it's expected to kick off at about 1.50 our time. It will be the first joint appearance since the announcement of Kamala, Kamala Harris's vice presidential uh, selection uh, in terms of being a candidate by uh, the presidential candidate, presumptive, uh, of Joe Biden. This event will take place in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, near Joe Biden's home, and it will originate from DuPont High School, Alexis I. DuPont high school in a small suburb of Wilmington, Delaware. The Bidens, of course, having a long history uh, in this Delaware community. Uh, it was just this morning that Kamala Harris uh, boarded a, a, a silver SUV and made the uh, almost two-hour drive uh, up to Delaware, where she, again, will be appearing with Joe Biden for the first time as running mates, uh, and then this evening at a, a hotel in uh, DuPont Hotel, 
in Wilmington, Delaware, they will host uh, another event. The interesting thing about that DuPont Hotel is that it happens to be uh, the place where Joe Biden, way back in the 70s, I believe 1974, uh, he made his first announcement that he was running for the United States Senate, the the place where his career began uh, in earnest, ultimately putting him on a path uh, to the vice presidency and uh, maybe, maybe the presidency. So we'll, uh, yes, the answer to the texter's question is yes. We will be airing that press conference uh, in its entirety, if press conference is even uh, the right word. It's a joint appearance. The the candidates will be uh, presenting themselves uh, for the first time uh, as running mates. All right, uh, but now uh, the topic at hand is a fascinating one. Amy and I, uh, producer Amy, we were talking the other day. Uh, this came after a Facebook event hosted by an organization called Voices of Utah Children. They had done a, a Facebook Live where they had invited a number of, of young people to, to weigh in and to share their thoughts on returning to school, what are the fears they have, what are the questions they have, and in some cases, what advice do they have for fellow students as they return uh, to whatever learning circumstances were before them, whatever choices they had made Uh, along with their parents, uh, if given the option to return to the classroom uh, full-time, some sort of hybrid scenario, or maybe it's uh, strictly online learning or even homeschooling. So uh, as we listened to what these children had to say, I was absolutely enthralled. Their views uh, are are certainly the most most poignant, right? They are the ones that uh, are learning. They are the ones uh, who, who get excited to see friends, who feel the anxiety of tests, and uh, they are the ones uh, essentially on the front line of education as the recipients uh, of that education. I remember uh, my first day of school. I remember uh, all the anxieties that came uh, along with that, and I remember the joys uh, that followed once I was ultimately in the classroom. And so uh, understanding that these young people have uh, new and growing minds and emotions. Uh, What is their experience? What are they uh, looking forward to? So uh, following the example of the Voices of Utah Children Organization, uh, Amy has done a wonderful job reaching out to to young people across the state of varied ages. And she asked them a number of questions. And I want to walk through uh, the responses that Amy got. We'll start uh, with Holly Lee, a 13-year-old in the Box Elder School District. Uh, Amy asked very simply why she's excited to go back into the classroom? I really want to go back to school because I really miss seeing people. I don't like the feeling of being social distancing from people like my friends because I've always known to be like close to them and not being scared to get a virus. Yeah. Uh, Holly goes on to share one thing that she's really not excited about, uh, though, at her junior high. I'm really mad that we're not having lockers either because of like social distance or whatever because... Um, where else are we supposed to put our stuff besides back- backpacks? And so it's going to be like going the first day of school every single day with like a 50-pound backpack every single day. So I just do not like any of it. I hadn't thought about my I hadn't thought about my junior high locker in so so long. But she makes a good point. Uh, obviously for safety reasons and for the social distancing, you know, that wisdom must prevail. And, you know, if you're not able to sufficiently space out the usage of lockers, if, uh, if capacity is, is too low and you, you have to restrict their use, uh, you know, obviously you have to do so. You know, prudence is going to be uh, a little bit of an inconvenience to some. But 
Remember the excitement of getting your first locker? And do you remember the anxiety you felt by trying to remember the combination? Even for the first time trying to figure out how to use a combination lock. And then once you figured it out, how'd you decorate it? What'd you put inside? Were there posters of, uh, I don't know, teen idols or uh, race cars or something like that? Uh, my, mine was there a lot of sports in mine uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of old gym clothes that I forgot to take home and wash. That stunk after a while. All right. The conversations uh, with young people continue. Uh, Amy spoke with Mason Lee, uh, a 16 year old in the Box Elder School District, uh, sister of Holly. And Mason agrees with his sister about wanting to go back to school. Like my sister, I really want to go back to school because uh, I haven't missed school this much like I uh, have. But I, I kind of don't want to go back to school because I just think the whole social distancing and wearing masks is so stupid. Social distancing and masks is so stupid. Now, you hope, you hope that that attitude is not too pervasive, right? Uh, you, you hope uh, that these students are going to be able to, uh, you know, wisely adhere to the, the rules and the guidelines laid down uh, not only by their district, but the schools uh, themselves, the teachers, and the State Department of Health in its documentation. You hope, uh, you hope that that attitude uh, can be corrected by the teachers or at least explained in a way that makes it acceptable uh, to the children. Uh, conversations with young people continue. Here's Ace Brown, an eighth grader in the Canyon school district uh says uh not a fan of online classes well i, I don't i'd rather go back to school than do online school because if i do online school i'm not gonna do that at all anderson brown 11th grader in the canyon school district uh in fact he's liked online schooling yeah, i don't like school anyway but this is uh, i mean we i don't think we should go back i mean i like the online stuff just to get ahead easier all right. Uh, and now a younger student. Here is uh, Evie, uh, 11-year-old in the Alpine School District, saying what she thinks about going back. I did it to go back to school because life has been boring because of coronavirus. Yeah. Evie says uh, she's most excited about this. Seeing my friends again and actually learning stuff. And what does Evie think about school cleanliness? hoping that the school is clean enough and I'm hoping that I'm able to fight the coronavirus and not get sick. Yeah, fight it and not get sick. Evie goes on to describe what she's worried about or if I'm she's worried at all. The teachers are cautious and parents are cautious. So I can see why they're worried, but I believe kids will obviously keep their masks on to be safe. I hope she's right. I I, I hope that she is Right. I hope that uh, some spirit of rebellion and angst doesn't creep in and lead to uh, outbreaks and a disregard for the guidelines and all that. Can I ask you a favor? If, if you have students going back, uh, either part-time or full-time, uh, or if they will be in whatever fashion exposed to other children, have a, have a chat with them. Uh, and see what you can do to, to convince them that uh, in order to stay in school, if they so desire, that they really need to adhere uh, to these guidelines. Last word coming from Evie. She gives last piece of advice to her fellow students. Stay safe and wear your mask. Stay safe and wear your mask. Thank you very much, Evie. If your students uh, have anything to say, if you would like uh, to, if they have some unique perspective uh, or desire or fear, would you do me a favor and reach out to me via the Facebook page we have set up for the program? It's Lee Lonsberry. You type in Lee Lonsberry, my name, and in the profile picture, you'll see the, the live mic icon. Send me a note. 
Samino, I'd like to speak with you uh, and your children. We'd like to share their wisdom with others here on the air. A uh, quick break. When we return, we're speaking with the chairman of the Republican Party of Utah next on Live Mind.